Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... More than your needs met, more than your problems fixed, you and I need the presence of the Lord in our lives. That's what we need. That's what we need because the problems and the needs will never stop and neither will the availability of the Lord's presence in our lives. That's how we find hope. That's how we experience joy. That's how we sense His love. That's how we make some really good decisions when we're about to make some really bad decisions. Our lives can feel like a battle, and the battle of the mind is particularly fierce. Today, Pastor Jim shares the Apostle Paul's warning of the church succumbing to a have-it-your-way form of Christianity. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 10 with part two of his message entitled, Fighting the Greatest Battle. This is the story of the prodigal son. Oh, I'm just give me some money, Dad. I'm going to go out and party because that's the way to live it up. Listen, man, life is just full of fun, and I'm going to go have it. He spends all his money, and he ends up in the mud with the pigs. And he says, my father, he's rich. What am I doing here? Why am I living this way? I'm going to get up and I'm going to return to him and at the very least, he'll let me be a servant in his household. And the story goes, as he returned, the father was waiting at the edge of the hill and his father ran to him something Jewish men didn't do. And he brought his son into the house and gave him the seat of honor and threw a big party for him. Friends, that's why God warns us. Because that's the life he has for us, not the life of living with the pigs. The Apostle Paul opponents, they say he's just an ordinary man. He lacks the persona. In other places, they say he lacks the credentials. And the Apostle replies to them, don't let my appearance fool you. Don't let my lack of slick presentation catch you off guard. I carry the authority of the word of God. And friend, when you... Walk with Jesus, you carry the authority of the word of God. A church that decides we're going to follow the word, we're going to obey the word, we're going to love the word of God. We carry the authority of the word of God wherever we are. Friends, that's why to us, to many of us, and I hope to all of us, something what might seem as silly as a broadcast ministry to other people in other cities is so important because someday we're probably going to meet someone in heaven who's going to say, I was driving my car in Reno, Nevada, and I heard your church's radio show, and I thought, what am I doing with my life? And I turned to God. And that's why I'm here. 
but this is also a word for the followers of Jesus inside the Corinthian church. And I think a word to all of us in the body of Christ today, he's basically saying, how long will you tolerate these false teachers in our churches? How long will we tolerate these false teachers in the body of Christ? How long will we buy their books? How long will we donate to their ministries? How long are we going to allow these people strutting around the stage like a peacock with their own agenda, with their own stuff? How long are we going to be a part of such things? They are, not the Apostle Paul, the men of the flesh. Now, sometimes in the Bible, the flesh means our body, but usually it means the sinful nature that pushes the Lord out of the picture. And here the apostles saying, it's even in the church. Well, how did it happen? Well, for many centuries, it turned to ritual, right? There was all kinds of rituals in the church, and the very things that Jesus said you had wrong, people started maybe well-intentioned, I have no idea, but it evolved into a lot of people, a large percentage, not all, but a large percentage of the people getting the rituals wrong. And so, like always happens, whenever something is not so good over here, somebody goes to the extreme other side. Nobody ever stops in the middle. Why don't we stop in the middle? (laughs) And so they go from ritual to slick presenters of the word of the Lord. Slick presenters. And what do they do? They tweak the word of the Lord. The conference I was at yesterday, a whole group of people I was with was from a very, very well-known church, and they told me, they asked me about what kind of radio station we had, and I told them, and they said, oh, yes, sometimes our pastor puts Bible verses in the sermons, too. (laughs) I said, do you want to download our app right now? So how do they tweak the word of the Lord? Well, cool things, fancy ideas. A big thing is everything is about they're going to preach to fit your needs. Are you lonely? Are you broke? You're not feeling well. Are you sad? Whatever the needs are, they know you can buy the outlines if you want on the internet if you're interested in such things. They actually mail them to people who want them. Another thing is they constantly teach how to fit your problems. Step one, step two, step three, step four. Step five, try it again. That's because it doesn't work. It doesn't work. How many of you have noticed there's always problems? There's always problems. There's always needs. But friends, let me tell you this. More than your needs met, more than your problems fixed, you and I need the presence of the Lord in our lives. That's what we need. That's what we need. Because the problems and the needs will never stop, and neither will the availability of the Lord's presence in our lives. That's how we find hope. That's how we experience joy. That's how we sense his love. That's how we make some really good decisions when we're about to make some really bad decisions. And that's how we know that we're his children. That's how we know that we're not alone when we go through these difficult times. It's the presence of the Lord. Now, if you're new here today and you're not a follower or you're new or you're a follower of Jesus or you're not a follower of Jesus, I realize that what I just did is I just violated a lot of the norms of American culture. I committed a grievous sin of American culture and the American church in many ways. I said that 
some people are wrong. Is that okay? Well, the Apostle Paul, what he's talking about here is wrong beliefs and wrong methods inside the church. Inside the church, whose founder claimed to be God. See, we have to remember that about the word of God and about the Christian faith is our founder, the Lord Jesus Christ, claimed to be God. And how did he prove it? Well, the miracles for one, but really, how did he prove it? He rose from the dead. The apostle Paul is against, because God is against, passing off as error to the people of God as if it is gospel truth. This is why, friends, we study the Bible so hard here at this church. This is the reason why we need to study the Bible on our own. And if you don't know how, write into the church. We'll help you get started. Because if you don't study the word of God, you will believe almost anything that is told to you in the name of God. Bibles in hand, stuff that is off, stuff that has never been, there's nothing new under the sun, something that is so very new. The Apostle Paul is against culture-defining Christianity, not people that are aware of the culture. I've said to you many times before, I think probably a lot of people walk into the church and they probably can't tell that I'm the pastor. Number one, the glazed look on my face because I'm trying to remember the sermon. (laughs) But I'm wearing jeans. Why? Because in Calvary Chapel, one of our things is we're fishing out of a different pond. We want your friends to come here and just feel comfortable. I really am hoping for the... In 1 Corinthians 12, 14, the the Apostle Paul said, we want people to come in and we want to see people worshiping God, hearing the word of God and falling down, saying, surely God is in this place. We want people to come in here. If you're a guest, I'm telling you, this is what we're hoping for, that people come in, they get a free cup of coffee. We have good coffee here, man. (laughs) And they get a good cup of coffee. They come in and we sing songs And then you're like, and then some dude in jeans got up. And it was so simple. And I was reading the Bible and I understood it. And it was like there was another voice in my head. And it was was just odd. But he doesn't want a church to be a culturally defined church which he tells us in 1 Corinthians, and he will in chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians, that is the immorality that is rampant in the Corinthian church. The good news of the gospel is that the word of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us, conforms us to the image of Christ. So if we're being conformed into the image of Christ, who changes, Jesus or us? We do. Who changes, the word of God or us? We do. But in Corinth and in increasingly large segments of the church in America, I was talking to a pastor yesterday down in Tennessee, part of the Bible Belt, been a couple places, just saying it's just taking over the place. A culture accommodating gospel has emerged. And what happens in chapter 13, the Apostle Paul is going to do the unthinkable, unthinkable in American Christianity. He's going to ask people, I know you go to church, but are you really Christians? The Apostle Paul calls this a different gospel, and he calls all believers to evaluate what's being taught based on the Word of God, not the values of the culture. But you can't do that unless you study the Word of God. 
and he calls us to engage in the greatest battle we all fight. Jesus' battle was against sin and death. Our battle is what? Our flesh. Our sinful desires versus the godly desires of our king. And so now he brings us into the war and he tells us how to fight. He says, verse three, for though we walk in the flesh, what is he saying? We're human. I know we're human. You know, a lot of pastors, man, they put themselves up on the stage as they're not God, but you know, they're just a little rung under, right? You know, I can do all the same stuff Jesus could do. I don't think so. I don't think so. For though we conduct ourselves, though we walk, we live in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. He's saying, I'm human, but I don't fight battles with human strength. There's another way, there's a spiritual way in which battles are to be fought. Basically, how do we fight off error with truth? Verse four, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. So now here's where I get myself into trouble with a lot of you. Sadly, verse four, has been turned into a complete devil's stronghold industry. It's an industry of itself. It probably has its own, the economy is only growing at 1%, but the devil's stronghold ministry is growing at 8%. <laughs> I mean, it sells a lot of books, it's very entertaining, but what does that do? That puts the blame on the devil, and we don't always take ownership ourselves. It makes us also kind of passive. You know, like, I'm just caught in this thing, which can happen, or it makes it completely up to us to release the shackles of the stronghold. Or, if you come to my seminar, I'll teach you how to do it. So the Apostle Paul admits that he's human, that he needs divine weapons to fight the fight, the power of the Spirit to fight and to win. Now, again, I said earlier, I have the advantage of studying this whole book so I can, it's a little easier for me to put some pieces of a puzzle together a little bit in this, in, he's very emotional in this part of the book in particular. And he says in chapter 12, verse 10, many of you have heard this verse, when I'm weak, then I am strong. Now, a lot of us are like, well, I'm weak. I guess I'm strong. You know how that goes. Not very convincing, is it? But if we take that and we combine it with this, we might come up with something like this. When I am weak in my walk, in how I live, I fight spiritually strong. So when, I, when something seems to have a grip on me, and I'm weak as I'm living, I'm going to fight against it spiritually strong. So this is where we have to get it, where the context is king here. What is he fighting for? The hearts and minds of the people of God. That's what he's fighting for. He's calling them to what? Come back to him, symbolic of come back to the word of God because he is the writer of the word of God. Who's the enemy? Don't answer too quickly. While a lot of people have taught us that the enemy in this passage is the devil, although it might be demonically inspired, the devil is the teaching that has come in to the Corinthian church. 
That's the enemy. That's what he is trying to undo. Undo the bad teaching, get them into the good teaching. That's what he's trying to do. So we can't make the Bible say less than it says, but we can't make it say more than it says. So we're going to see in a little bit, what are those things? Well, they're not habits. They're not habits. It's the human ideas. It's the wrong thinking that are contrary to the word of God. But notice this. Notice this. We are not passive in the war. We are on the offensive. Because notice he says, our weapons, our warfare are not carnal, not fleshly, not human, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. So who's pulling down the stronghold? The Christian. The Christian. Notice here, we're on the attack, not the evil spirits. The ideas are popping into their heads. The ideas are popping into our heads. The false teaching is coming into our heads. And God's like, you need to go on the offensive. You need to go on the offensive when that happens. Fight against it. And he says that we're pulling down strongholds. Now, what's a stronghold? Tremendous illustration for people in this time they're living. They knew in the ancient world, unless you had a really small army against a great city, they knew that the person attacking the city was at a great advantage. You could have the element of surprise. You could starve them out. You're going after them. You're coming from all around. Maybe you have spies. You know the weak point of entry. And so Paul's saying, we are the Christians. We are on the offensive. Now you say, well, what about this stronghold? In a city, they would come and there would be a wall. And so when the wall would come down, some of the leaders and the prisoners and stuff like that, they would go to the stronghold, which would be this big tower. Now, the Apostle Paul, he's a Bible writer, but he's also a Bible reader, is borrowing this from Proverbs 21, 22. That says, a wise man scales the city of the mighty and brings down the trusted stronghold. So if you tackle the city, the wall comes down, you go to the stronghold where the leader is, and you take it down, it's what? It's game over. It's battle over. So how do we fight? Now, other places in the Bible, there's other places we fight. We see it all over the Bible. But again, let's try to stay within the confines of the Corinthian letters. What are the, and I'm not, those of you Bible readers, I know in Ephesians, some of the stuff that's there, but let's stay in the confine of the Corinthian letters, first and second. What are the divine weapons? The truth of the gospel, the word of the cross, and the knowledge of God. Those are basically the three weapons that he's talking about. The truth of the gospel, Jesus died for you. You are now, if you've trusted him, you're now an heir to the throne. The word of the cross and the knowledge of God. What is the stronghold that needs to be torn down here? The compromising, self-defining, worldly values that have come into the Corinthian church and into our minds that rob us of our identity as children of God. That's the stronghold he's talking about attacking. He's talking about attacking false teaching, false things that have come into their church, false things that come into our mind if we're going to use it as a personal application. Now, in 1 Corinthians, he talked about something we did study that a few years ago, and we called a way of thinking about as the Christian life. It's been around for long time, called already not yet, meaning that 
followers of Jesus already have some of the benefits of the kingdom of God. We already have some, but we don't have it all yet. Maybe you're in someone's will, their last will and testament, and you know that you know, they're going to leave you some money, and maybe they took you on a vacation or something like that, and they're like, I'm going to leave you all my money anyway, so why don't we just have a vacation together, enjoy some of it. You have some of their wealth already, but not all of their wealth just yet. Now, as Christians, we need to keep attention in that. Attention are not opposites. They're things that work together so we have a good understanding of our life here on earth as Christians. If you're only thinking of heaven in the future, or you only think of salvation as only the future, I'm just biding my time here until I get to heaven. Can't wait to die. Can't wait till this mess is over. Well, everything on earth is what? Lousy. How you doing? Oh, man, awful. You're like, oh, I want to be Christian like you, bro. That really looks good. Everything's lousy. That creates miserable, miserable Christians. Yeah, I got the joy of the Lord. Yeah. (laughs) Terrible. That's how you get all these people with conspiracy theories. Everything is the end. Setting dates. Dates come, dates go. Oh, I read the passage incorrectly. I had a bad Hebrew translation. I had a bad Greek translation. So I'm going to do it a little bit better. Now I got a new date. Buy my book. But the Corinthian church, that's not what they are. They're the opposite extreme. For them, it's, they're not living in the land of not yet. They're living in the land of already here. So they're claiming every blessing of God right here and right now. I don't know about you, but if heaven is like this place, I'm going to be severely disappointed. <laughs> Everything's a victory, a victory. But that's not life, is it? A lot of people say, well, you should get what you want. You can live however you want. It doesn't matter. We're free. Free to sin? Are you kidding me? Oh, Jesus will forgive all of our sins anyway. What's the difference? It's a big difference. Or other people, just be a good person. Just be as good as you can till you get to heaven and everything should be fine. Neither teach the joy of the presence of God. Neither teach the joy of the cross-centered life. Gospel comes along and says, because of the cross of Jesus Christ, you are free from the penalty of sin. If you're here and you're not a Christian for no other reason, man, that's a great reason to become a Christian. Because Jesus took the punishment of the penalty for your sin on the cross and will apply it to you if you're willing to turn to him and put your trust in him. Not only is a Christian free from the penalty because Jesus took us from us, we're also free from the power to sin. We don't have to anymore. That's why there's that war that goes on within you because you don't want to do it, but you do it. You say, I I can't be a Christian. I didn't want to do it, but I did it. No, that's why you are a Christian. Because you felt bad. But until we get to heaven, we get to heaven, we'll be free from the presence of sin. Hallelujah. But until we get there, we have to fight the presence of sin in our lives. And where does so much of that battle us? Right in our mind. Who's the leader? The Holy Spirit. What's our strategy? The gospel. And what's our weapons? The Word of God. Say, okay, that's great. How do we get the strongholds pulled down? Verse 4, I want to read it again. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Verse 5, casting down, some of your versions say destroy, or others say demolish, arguments. So what are the stronghold? Arguments. It's not the devil. 
It's arguments. Okay? Casting down arguments. We might say thoughts and plans, things that are not right. We'll see that in a second. And every high thing, another version says, every lofty opinion that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. You've been listening to Changed by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our hope and prayer is that all of our listeners would grow into committed followers of Jesus Christ. And we're overjoyed to play whatever role we can in helping you mature in your faith. Would you like to know more about us? Maybe you'd like to pass this message on to a friend or family member. If so, go to our website at www.changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you have a question or need some guidance. We don't want to replace your pastor, but we are here to help. It's so easy to contact us. All you have to do is call, click, or write. Our phone number is 973-659-3380. That's 973-659-3380. Our email address is info at changedbyloveradio.com. And our mailing address is changedbylove, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. You may be surprised to know how excited Pastor Jim and the Changed by Love radio team are to hear from you. In fact, it's common for Pastor Jim to pass on your encouragement to the congregation here in New Jersey, since we consider all our listeners part of our family. That's all the time we have for today. Our sincere hope and desire is that you will join us again next time on this radio station as we continue teaching the Word of the Lord. We here at Changed by Love pray God's best to each and every one of you today. Until next time...